Hey, we're going to start uh, this morning with a question. What's one thing besides homeschooling that you've had to do during COVID-19 season that's not part of your, your normal life routine? Maybe even way out of your comfort zone. What's one thing? We asked the question on Facebook and uh, there were some fun responses. There were some hard responses as well. Uh, but somebody said they had to learn and be trained on a whole new job via email and phone calls. Uh, somebody said they had to become a virtual counselor. Mm -hmm. They're a, a counselor and had to figure out how to do that all by phone. Uh, somebody who's a friend of mine who's a realtor said I have to cook three meals a day while still working full time. Uh, there were a few others. Do you want to share some of those? I thought this was this one was funny. Uh, wearing a mask while going into a bank. Um, keep kids entertained while still working full time from home. Managing the confusing unemployment process. Uh, and learning to groom my dog via YouTube. That was a good one. Well, my experience this week, which really brought the question up, is I had the distinct privilege of dyeing Meg's hair. What? This is my natural color. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> a YouTube video and uh, a tube of dye, and off we went. And um, I'm hoping that that was maybe the last time it's scary. If you screw that up, you're a big, you're it's in well, rough shape. It's well worth the cost, right? Yes. Hey, one thing that we've learned together that's been really fun is almost every night our grandchildren call us and we read them a bedtime story on uh, FaceTime. And just seeing their little faces pressed up to the screen as we show them the pictures in the book, that's just been a really sweet time for us every night. It has been. And we also want to just give kind of voice to the fact that uh, some of your replies were just so um, sad. Um, yeah, some of you learning to uh, bury a loved one and not being able to have a funeral, um, just those kind of responses. And we just, we are with you and we pray for you and we recognize yeah. that while some of these are, are funny, uh, that there's also a side to this that has just been devastating. And we mm -hmm. just want to give voice to that and know that um, it's a hard season. And that's part of even why we're talking about what we're talking about this morning. Before we get into the message this morning, uh, I want to share an exciting opportunity uh, with you. But churches from all around the state of Michigan, actually, from the UP, uh, West Side here in Detroit, are all joining together uh, for a specific purpose that I think has the opportunity to transform uh, our state. And the best way I can tell you about that is just by showing you this short video. Pray for three at 313. What does that even mean? Well, right now, we as Michiganders continue to navigate the battle against COVID-19. As time goes on, we know tensions will arise all around our state. Politically, racially, and relationally pertaining to when we should or when we should not open. During this time, it is so vital that we unite together. And what better way than for all of us to unite by tapping into the power of prayer all at the same time. Well, churches of all denominations, from across the state of Michigan, from the Upper Peninsula to the Lower Peninsula, are joining together to pray every day for three minutes at 3.13 p.m. That's right, three minutes at 3.13 p.m. in light of the area code 313 in Detroit that has been hit the hardest. Every day, starting on May 4th, as in May the 4th be with you, see what we did there, all the way through May 31st, ending on Pentecost Sunday, believing that we will see God move in ways that only He can do. So we need you. 
Starting May 4th through the month of May, we're calling on all Michiganders to stop what you're doing. Hop on the local church's social media site on your choosing. And at 3.13, enter into a three-minute guided time of prayer. Simple, right? But yet so powerful. And just imagine when you pray at 3.13, you're not just praying by yourself. You're not just praying with your church. You're praying as one extended church of Michigan. And as we do this, we're asking God to, to heal us, to restore us, to renew us. Not only physically, but spiritually. Oh, imagine the prayer sweeping all across our state. Don't you want to be part of that? So together, let's do this together. Let's fall on our faces. Let's spread the word to our neighbors. Let's set a daily reminder to pray for three. At 313. So I say let's get on board uh, every day at 3.13. Uh, let's set our um, alarms on our watch or our phone and we can pray along with thousands of other people in the state for our city and for our state. And in addition to that, on the Grace Facebook page every day at 3.13, we will have someone who's conducting three minutes of live prayer. So you can tune in for that. Yep. Facebook Live, three minutes at 3.13, starting May 4th. Um, let's just jump on. I think there will be tens of thousands. I'm confident there will be tens of thousands of people across the state of Michigan uh, that are praying. So let's be a part of that as well. It'll be awesome. Hey, in this current series, we're talking about uh, what we need to pick up or put on or take hold of uh, in the season of difficulty if we really want to walk faithfully or walk victoriously with Jesus. The first week we talked about our identity, the fact that when we say yes to Jesus, we become a new creation. And in that moment, we begin a process of, of learning to be the new creation that God has made us to be, that we begin to need to pick up that new identity and live into who we are in Christ. And then last week, uh, we talked about picking up peace. And if you missed it, Dr. Tim Hogan and Pastor Kevin joined us and they shared their thoughts of how to have peace while navigating uh, some really difficult seasons. They both had gone through uh, as families some really hard seasons. And, and it just was a, a beautiful picture of how to have peace uh, in the midst of difficulties. Just some of the highlights uh, from that. Uh, Pastor Kevin said, uh, peace comes in the process. And what he was saying was that as we learn to follow God, as we learn to uh, stay in step with God and do the things that God has called us to do, that, that there's an element of, of peace that comes in our obedience. And I love that, that phrase, peace comes in the process. Yeah, uh, but I would say one of my favorite moments uh, <laughs> of the whole broadcast last week was when Kevin quoted God talking to Abraham and said, Hey, babe, you got to go. Uh, yeah. I, want to, I want to read that commentary, the same one you read, Kevin. Yeah. So I've read the Bible a lot. I've never quite seen God say to Abraham, hey, babe, you got to go. But I love what Kevin was saying. When God calls us to move, we got to move. When God calls us to sit, we got to sit. We got to be obedient to what God is calling us to. We also heard uh, from Tim, Tim Hogan, Dr. Tim Hogan said, peace and suffering are mysteriously linked. 
-hmm. And that's really so true. How we deal with affliction, how we deal with suffering really determines our state of being, whether or not we have peace or don't have peace. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're going to see this even more clearly as we unpack the passage of scripture uh, that we have for today. And as we continue to talk about what it looks like to pick up peace offered throughout the Bible is this promise of peace, but something is required of us if we want to have the peace that it's offering. So great topic for us, obviously, during this uh, COVID-19 shelter in place, just such a season of loss. So we're going to continue to look at peace by looking at Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Meg's going to read that. I encourage you to have your Bibles with you. Uh, If you are uh, with your family, my encouragement to you is that everyone would have their own Bible Uh, that everyone would be uh, taking notes. If you're comfortable writing in your Bible, that's a great way to do it. Or if you are a person who journals, have your journal with you, write some things down. But the value there is it will help you to get more and more comfortable navigating the scriptures. So if you each have your Bible, you're each turning to Romans, uh, that would be great. Take your notes, uh, write down whatever stirs in you, what you want to remember, and we'll go from there. So the passage that Meg is reading is Romans 5, and she's going to read verses 1 through 5. A reading from the New Testament. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. That's great. You want to pray? I'd love to. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that you are here with us, and I think that you have something personal to say to each one of us today through your word. And so I ask that you help us to open our hearts to you, to open our ears to you, that you would reveal yourself to us in beautiful ways as um, we just incline ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start with a question for you. Uh, If you could choose just one of two dispositions, one of two uh, attitudes, if you will, what would you choose, peace or despair? Now, I know it's a silly question, right? Like who would choose despair? But the passage that, that Meg read describes this path for us to follow if we want to have peace. And kind of implied in that, is if you don't follow this path, you're not going to have peace. You're going to have despair. And I would even go so far as to say it's either one or the other. There's no gray area. There's no in between. We either have the peace or we're going to end up having despair. So pay attention to the passage and, and listen to what we're talking about because it's a, it's a clear picture for us of how to have peace in our walk with God. And the one thing about this passage, and we've discovered this in a lot of the passages we've been looking at over this season, is there is a condition that comes with the, the promise of peace. And I would say the promise is not for everyone, but the promise is available to everyone. And what I mean by that in this passage makes it clear that in order to have the peace, you have to put your trust in Jesus. It requires a, an actual recognition 
that you need Jesus in your life, that you can't get it done on your own, that you know that you have sinned, that you know that you have fallen short, that you know you need a savior in your life. It's really that understanding that the way I'm doing it isn't working and I need Jesus in my life to help me get through that. And and what I wanna encourage you to do if you're watching this morning, the the truth is the bottom line is you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now, right in your living room, in your dining room. Maybe you're still in bed watching this on, on, the, on the web stream or on Facebook. You can accept Christ as your personal Savior right now, right wherever you are. And you can do that just by praying a simple prayer. And Meg's going to pray. And my encouragement to you is to pray along with her, maybe even to pray in your own words what, what Meg is going to pray right now. Yeah, I'm honored to pray. Dear Jesus, we believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we believe that there is nothing that we could do that would ever separate us from your love, that no matter where we've been or what we've done, you love us. And it is your sacrifice and your resurrection that make it possible for us sins to, for our sins to be forgiven and for us to have eternal life with you. So we just choose to open our hearts and open our life to you and follow you where you lead. In your name we pray, amen. That's great. If you uh, feel that sense of calling, if you feel God nudging you uh, to accept Christ, or if you just prayed that prayer that, that you want to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, my encouragement to you, uh, even if you have more questions about that, my encouragement to you is call the number that's on your screen right now. Uh, don't worry about watching the rest of this. You can come back when you're done talking to somebody, but somebody will be on the phone and they would love to just sit with you and help you to understand the decision you made or help you to understand how to make that decision. And we also have some gifts that we'd like to send to you just to help you to walk faithfully with Jesus. So this is uh, exciting. It is exciting. And I hope that you're one of those people that said yes to Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So if you said yes to, to Jesus, uh, even just in the last few minutes or years ago, this promise of peace that's in the scripture is for you. The passage starts with these words. It says, therefore, since you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice in that passage that the word have there, H-A-V-E, is there twice. We have been justified. You made the decision and you've been justified. That means you've been made right with God, that God sees you as just. Even though you have sin in your life, even though you've made mistakes, you are now just before God. Because of the work of Christ, you are justified. And because of that, you have peace. That's what the passage is saying. So I'm going to spend uh, the next couple minutes kind of explaining this passage of Scripture, and then Meg and I are just going to dialogue a little bit about how the passage has, uh, has affected us and, and how we've learned to live into the passage. But Paul goes on to write in the next few verses uh, these almost crazy words where he says, We rejoice in our suffering. Some translations say, We boast in our affliction. Uh, and, and, you know, it's easy to just ask the question here, has that been your response in this season of, of difficulty? Are you boasting and are you rejoicing? Meg asked me the question earlier, uh, if I looked up that word rejoice, and I, and I have looked up that word rejoice because I just preached a message on it not too long ago, and the word actually means to be 
blissful, internally blissful? Are you blissful over the current season of difficulty? It's, it's really uh, something that's counterintuitive to us. Looking for a loophole. Yes. When I asked you. <laughs> yeah. No loophole available. So we rejoice, we boast. And then look at verse three. The reason we boast, the reason we rejoice, is we know that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. And I, so it's a beautiful thing. One of the translations says, hope does not disappoint. I love that, that. That when we have hope, we can't be disappointed. Hope becomes the very... Uh, heartbeat of, of, of helping us to have peace in our lives amidst seasons of suffering or affliction. So I spent some time uh, digging into this passage and I began to look at, at the original language, the Greek language, and I found something uh, that I think is super exciting. And I just want to unpack that by just uh, uh, giving you the three key words and what they mean in the Greek. So suffering in the Greek, it means rubbed together, hemmed in, specifically it means it refers to this internal pressure that causes one to feel confined, restricted, or a feeling of no escape. So you get that rubbed together, hemmed in, specifically referring to an internal pressure that causes you to feel confined and restricted. Now what's fascinating is if you study the Greek, there is a different word that they would use to explain the actual outside force that causes the suffering. This word is talking about the internal state of mind, that feeling of being restricted or hemmed in. Bottom line, COVID-19, shelter in place, loss of work, loss of, of loved ones, loss of graduation, loss of physical connection with friends, all qualify for having this, this feeling of being hemmed in, being confined, being restricted, and, and seeing no real escape as it gets extended for another couple weeks. So, so we are in a perfect season to apply this verse to our lives. So we rejoice and we boast when we feel hemmed in, when we feel restricted, when we feel combined, confined with no escape because it's an opportunity for us to endure, to practice endurance. The Greek word there just means to remain under, to continue, to, to endure, or to wait. Sometimes it's translated patience. And what I love about this is it's best exemplified. If you were to look this up, it says it's best exemplified by Jesus who endured the cross. He stayed under the suffering. He stayed within the will of God and he endured the cross of Christ so that he could then endure the glory or that he could be a part of the glory that God had for him. So it's a good picture for us that Christ endured his suffering. He stayed under his suffering. But the truth is, if you think about it, it's not saying you have to like it. It's not saying that you have to... Uh, 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 it, it, there's, it's okay if we recognize in the loss that, that, that it's hard, that, there, there, that it's difficult. You think about Jesus, he, did, he cried in the, in, the, in the garden. He sweat blood in the garden. It wasn't like it was an easy thing for him, yet he persevered, yet he endured, yet he patiently carried the cross that God had for him. It was not my will, God, but your will. But he had to go through the suffering and not go around the suffering. So Tim Hogan talked about our desire to take an end around, a spiritual end around, and we don't get that opportunity. We have to go through it. We have to endure it. 
right? One of the things we heard last week uh, was we, as we prayed for you is that many people at Grace are turning to empty wells, right? They're, they're not remaining, they're not enduring, they're trying to find ways to uh, satisfy their discomfort, but they're not the God ways, they're the empty ways, and that's inevitably gonna lead to despair because it doesn't truly bring, bring peace. So stick with me, because this is where it gets exciting. The passage is saying we remain, we endure uh, in it, but he's not saying to do that out of some kind of masochistic response, right? What it's saying is its endurance produces character. The word character there means proven to be genuine. It means tested and true. It means to be accepted, refined, and purified. The word is sometimes actually translated experience. So you could read endurance, remaining in the process, produces an experience, an experience of God, an experience with God to discover who we are excuse me, to discover who we are and to discover who God made us to be. So there is this opportunity when we are in affliction to endure and to actually have a greater level of experience with God. So it's, a, it's an opportunity for us. Character, and when we have this experience with God, this character, it produces in us hope. And hope does not disappoint. So I know I just covered a lot, uh, and it's, we're gonna have just two slides come up on the screen that I just hope to, will help you to see this visually. So there's two ways, right? One way is God's way that leads to hope, that leads to peace. God's way is we have suffering or affliction. That affliction leads us to endurance and patience. We remain under the difficulty. We're willing to go through it with God. That produces character or an experience with God, which produces hope, which gives us a sense of peace. But when we try to do the spiritual end around, take matters into our own hands, and we go after the world's peace, we go to those empty wells, uh, that's the world's way. So the world's way is we have suffering or affliction, we are impatient and we self-medicate, we end up with empty experiences and it leads to hardship and despair. That goes back to my original question, do you want peace? or you want despair. If you want peace, you have to do it God's way. If you want despair, you do it the world's way. All right, so I know I just blasted through a whole bunch of information there, uh, but Meg, I just want to give you an opportunity to, uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts? As you read the passage, as you look at this, what, what's going on? Well, yeah, just as we kind of talked about it this week, uh, I was saying that, you know, I grew up being taught to approach life as the school of hard knocks. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. All right. you know? Sometimes it kills you. <laughs> but if it doesn't, oh. it makes you stronger. So I feel like I'm kind of wired for part of this passage, you know, that if it's a time of suffering, like I'm, you know, I'm ready. I, I can gut this out. I can keep, you know, the end in focus. And in the, in the, you know, I know it's that it's refining my character and making me stronger. For me, the rub comes in with the rejoice part. Blissful. Yeah. Be blissful. Exactly. The blissful part. Like, that is beyond my human capacity. When I'm like gutting this out, how, how do I wrap my head around that? The blissful part. Yeah. So I think uh, the, the thing that I say all the time uh, is the movement of God in your life always starts with an invitation. 
And if we can see seasons of affliction, seasons of difficulties as invitations for more of God, and if we really understood all that God is and all who he is and all that that the promise of that, that that would create actually a, a, a sense of anticipation that God is going to reveal more of himself to me in the midst of this. If I persevere, if I stay, if I go through this with him, I'll get to experience more of him. And I think in a lot of ways, this is exactly how it's played out for you. So mm -hmm. I know there was a season in your life that was difficult. So why don't you talk about that and how you experienced God in that difficult season? Yeah, definitely. Um, so in my 30s, I went through this intense time with anxiety and depression. You remember? I do remember. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it's a long story and I'd be happy to talk to you about it sometime. But the short of it is, is that um, I had this debilitating anxiety uh, and depression and we had four young children and um, it was just a struggle for me to get through every day and you were a huge support to me in that. But as I walked through that process, you know, last week Kevin talked about the pieces in the process. Right. As I walked through the process that God was taking me on, there were these very intimate times that God intersected with me and invited me um, to experience, experience him in ways that I never knew were possible. So um, sometimes for me that meant like just laying on the floor on my stomach and um, you know, asking God to help me and God would speak to me. At other times he was inviting me um, to be in the word and to journal and he was speaking to me and he was just taking me through this time of healing. But I was ex as I was walking through it and experiencing healing, the best part of it was getting to know him. Well, I would even say who you are as a person who you are spiritually, even your understanding of God and your relationship with God was primarily shaped in that season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I learned in that season to lean into God. I learned how to be honest with God, um, how to have an honest relationship with Him. I experienced His peace that we're talking about. Uh, I remember uh, sitting in a session with my therapist and talking about anxiety attacks. And I said to her, you know, I can be having an anxiety attack. I can be feeling all the physical symptoms of an anxiety attack. And at the very same time, I have this inner peace that I just feel like nothing could rock me. And she's a Christian, she's a Christian counselor. And she said to me, that's not possible. You can't be experiencing um, an anxiety attack and have peace at the same time. But I knew she was wrong because I had experienced God in that way. And um, no one was going to tell me that, you know, it wasn't possible. So as you, so the, the application to the passage is, as you endure, as you go through it with God, you have the opportunity to experience God. And that experience with God far outweighs any of the difficulties, because God is so incredible, because God's glory is so beautiful. It's, it's just, it's a beautiful picture. So uh, the one thing I said to you earlier today is, I don't think you would trade 
as debilitating as that season was, I don't think you would trade that season if you know you had to give up what you got from God at the same time, right? Yeah, absolutely not. And you know that in the last year and a half, um, I've had some other significant significant difficulties. um, And it's been, you know, that has been hard for me. Um, But in looking, oh, sorry, but looking back, you know, and remember that experience has given, you know, has given me um, endurance, I guess. Sure. To continue to walk through this process. And I look back at the time in my 30s and I describe that as a time when I just feel like the rug got pulled out from underneath me Um, and in this season that I've been walking through some difficult times um, God has given me uh, a passage that I would like to share with you it's Psalm 31 7 and it says I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction you have known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a broad place. So um, in processing this verse with God, what, and what he's been saying to me that, yeah, last time knocked you off, your, off of your feet, but this time your feet are planted. Um, you've experienced me and you're not going to be knocked off your feet again. That's awesome. I just love that. So one of the things uh, that we talked a lot about this week is the fact that Paul is no stranger to affliction. And we don't have enough time to read this, but if we did, I would have you read uh, 2 Corinthians 11, where Paul just goes on this uh, uh, list of, of all of the ways that he's been conflicted. He actually starts it by saying, am I talking like a madman? And then he just goes on and talks about shipwrecks and beatings and floggings. And, and, and when you realize he's no stranger to shelter in place, he's been imprisoned over and over, right? He's the guy that's writing, I am blissful when I suffer because it's an invitation from God to experience more of him. It's just, it's a beautiful picture. So a little homework assignment, maybe right after this uh, broadcast is done, if you're sitting there with your family, just read uh, 2 Corinthians 11 when Paul goes on that list. Uh, we've read it to our kids actually laughing because the way he writes it is, it's, it's hard to believe that one person could even go through uh, that many hardships. So I encourage you to read it. But the whole point is that, that Paul had to have seasons where he felt hemmed in, where he felt restricted, where he felt afflicted. And yet he's the one that writes, affliction produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. In Romans 8, Paul actually writes these words, I consider that the suffering in this present time is not worth comparing to the glory revealed to us. It's the very thing that Paul is talking about there, that that he wouldn't trade, just like your story, wouldn't trade going through all of that difficult season because of what he's discovered about the glory of God, because God spoke to him in those seasons, because he got to know God more. And this is the same principle that we hear when we talk to friends who go through horrendous seasons and say, you know, when I went through that season of cancer, I experienced Mm -hmm. God more than any other time of my life. I had an intimate thing with God, like God revealed himself. That is a a common thing that we hear, that God shows up in the suffering. It goes back to what Tim said, that suffering and peace are mysteriously linked together. And that's what this passage is saying to us today. So we only have a, a minute or so left. 
um, how would you um, recommend or, or what would you say to people about how to take hold of this that we're talking about this morning and maybe even using your own story and what you've learned? Well, I can say for myself that a guiding question for me um, as I move through my everyday is asking God, Father, what are you up to and how do you want me to respond? And that, in that way, I'm positioning myself to pay attention to what God is speaking to me that day in whatever the circumstance is. And so he might be inviting me to be quiet, to journal. He might be inviting me to um, go for a walk and um, listen to him in that way. He might be um, inviting me to uh, spend time with a friend, a spiritual companion who can ask me some good questions. But whatever he says, you got to go, babe. And that's what I was going to say. But I remember one time when I was laying in bed and I was depressed and I heard God say to me, rise and be going. He was like, get up, babe. Get out of bed and get going. That's great. I love that. <laughs> so I think that's a huge part of it is uh, this isn't formulaic. This is really uh, yeah. tuning into what God wants. And if God's mm -hmm. calling you to sit quietly, sit quietly. If call, God's calling you to serve, serve. If God's calling you to spend more time in his word, then spend more time in his word. But mm -hmm. to be obedient, that goes back to that. Uh, the, it's Peace comes in the process. That's what Kevin showed us last week. And this is just mm -hmm. another good example. So wrap things up with the words of Jesus. He says, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. So don't be worried and don't be afraid. Our Romans 5 passage closes with these incredible words. It says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And God's love, listen church, God's love is poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit when we stay in the process. Mm -hmm. So Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we've had uh, to talk about this incredible verse from Romans 5. I pray uh, that we would take hold of it. I pray that we would be a people who are transformed by the the suffering that you bring our way, that we become uh, pillars of faith and that we invite others to experience you the same way. And the, and the, the passage that uh, we studied a few weeks ago, that with this, the comfort we receive, we comfort others. Help us to become agents of comfort. Help us to experience more of you and then to invite others into that same experience. We thank you that you are good, that you are merciful, and that your love endures forever. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Great to be with you. Just a reminder, we will be uh, going to Facebook Live uh, here in just a couple of minutes. And if you just want to join us in the virtual lobby, uh, Meg and I will be on there and we would love to just spend a few minutes saying hi to you and maybe talking about Romans 5. Blessings. Blessings. Love you guys.